First John chapter 2. Let's look at uh, verse 28 and we'll read 29 as he did last week and we'll pray. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 verse 28, it says, And now little children abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you for those that were able to make it out today, Lord. Um, even though there's several that are not able to be here due to the storm and sickness, God, I pray you'll just uh, be with them. And uh, I pray that you'll just help us to get something from your word this morning. And we thank you so much for how powerful your word is, God, and for giving it to us. And Lord, I pray you'll be honored and glorified in everything that is said and done today and tonight. And just uh, bless the services, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we began looking at these two verses in this passage, and we looked at the, the main thought, which is this. If we abide in Him, when He appears, we will not be ashamed. And look, we, we kinda, we're going to be harping on this a little bit, okay? We, we talked about it last week. We're talking about it this week. We're going to talk about it next week, because uh, that's what the text says. It's, that's what it's talking about, so we're just going to roll with it. And that's what I like about verse-by-verse verse preaching. I don't pick the message. So if you have a problem with it, you can just take it up with the Lord, right? Uh, but, but that's what I like about verse-by-verse verse preaching. And in this passage, we have a nice alliterated outline. Uh, and last week, we looked at the, the first uh, of the three A's, which is abiding. And we, we saw that, really, what does it mean to abide in Christ? In essence, it means to have a relationship with Him. And uh, it will result, as verse 29 talks about, in holy living, living a life of holiness. And look, we know that Christ is righteous. We saw last week, how righteous is God? How righteous is Christ? He's so righteous, he did no sin. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't have a bad thought. Uh, he, he didn't have a, a wrong action. You know, by the way, let me say this, this is a side note, but there are people today that are saying that Jesus Christ did in fact sin. And they'll use all these examples that are biblical examples that they take totally out of context. Listen, my Bible says that Jesus Christ never sinned. Amen. So I don't care what man has to say. Right. Jesus Christ was sinless. And if he wasn't, then we're wasting our time and we don't even have salvation. So we might as well go out and do whatever we want. Right? Some of you guys are like, yeah. <laughs> but listen, Jesus Christ was perfect. God is perfect. So we know that he is righteous. We know he is holy. So therefore we should, as we abide in him, live righteously. And, and again, I, I said this last week, but we're never going to obtain sinless perfection. Never going to happen. But by his grace, as we grow in him, we will grow closer to him and, and, and we'll be more like his image and we'll be further away from worldliness and fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. Now, we enter into the second A and the third A. We have appearing and ashamed. And again, it all connects for that simple truth, church. If we abide in him, when he appears, we will not be ashamed. But just like last week, we're only going to get to uh, one of these A's, and that is going to be appearing. But again, it all connects. And, and we'll reference being ashamed throughout the message because it just flows right along with it. But we're going to look at appearing this morning. And, and, and look, many know this, but when it speaks of Christ appearing, it's talking about the imminent return of Christ at the rapture. And I love how it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, look at it there, it says, Now, little children, abide in him, and then it says that 
And the next word is when he shall appear. I love how it says when. It doesn't say if, but when. He's going to appear. And we talked about promises last week, or a couple weeks ago rather. And in John chapter 14, verse 3, Jesus promised that he's going to come again. He said, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And that's just a great promise. If you're a believer in Christ, he will come back for you and receive you unto himself. Now, I found this interesting. Uh, Somebody said this, biblical prophecy provides some of the greatest encouragement and hope available to us today. Just as the Old Testament is saturated with prophecies concerning Christ's first advent, it is full of the prediction of his second coming. Both testaments are filled with references to the second coming of Christ. One scholar has estimated that there are 1,845 references to Christ's second coming in the Old Testament where 17 books give it prominence. Man, listen, church, it is all over the place. you got Daniel, Zechariah, Joel, Deuteronomy, Malachi. It's all through the Old Testament. It's the second coming of Jesus Christ. They also said this, in 260 chapters of the New Testament, there are 318 references to the second coming of Christ, which is an amazing one out of every 30 verses. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to this great event, for, prophecy, for every prophecy in the Bible concerning Christ's first advent, there are eight which look forward to his second. And then, listen, church, the fact of the matter is, Jesus Christ is the main character of the Bible. He is the center of the Bible, and his coming, his appearing, is a huge part of it. So, look, when you read the Bible every day, which I know everybody does that, right? But when you read the Bible every day, you should be looking for the return of Christ. It's everywhere. And so look, knowing that the Bible has a lot to say about the return of Christ, that should impact you as a believer. The Bible uses several phrases to explain the second coming of Christ, particularly in the New Testament that we're going to see this morning. And those phrases include these four that I want to mention. For one, his appearing, as we saw in 1 John chapter 2. It also calls uh, it the day of the Lord. It also says the glorious appearing and also the blessed hope. So when you hear about those or you read it, you can remember that and say, oh yeah, look, it's talking about Christ's return, his appearing, the day of the Lord, the glorious appearing or the blessed hope. So look, church, keep those in mind. Knowing uh, that Christ is going to return and he's going to appear, uh, we're going to look at that today. But look, how should it affect how we live? How should it motivate us to abide in him daily? That's what we're going to look at. This morning, what does God say about his appearing? Again, I said this already, but the Bible has a lot to say about his appearing. And it doesn't matter what I think, and it doesn't matter what people's opinions are. There are a lot of truths, truths, I guess you could say, about the appearing of Christ that people throw around. Uh, and what does it mean that you know for him to appear? We don't have to guess, church. It's in the Bible. We can just look in the Word of God and say, okay, what does the second coming of Christ mean? So we're going to just go over four points. Four truths and and verses in regards to his appearance. And again, it all centers around that simple truth of abiding in him and not being ashamed when he appears. So first, we're going to look at the fact that his appearing will be sudden. His appearing will be sudden. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. His appearing is going to be sudden. 2 Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 10. 
It says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So it tells us here, Christ is going to come, and then eventually all this is going to happen. So the day of the Lord, again, the return of Christ, when Christ returns, when he appears, he's going to come as a thief in the night. Listen, it's going to be sudden. It's going to be without warning. And here's a news flash in case you didn't know. Nobody knows when Christ is going to return. Okay? I want you to understand this. If anybody tries to tell you that they know or that somebody knows, then they are a liar. Among other places in the Bible, Matthew chapter 24, verse 36 says this, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of the, in heaven, but my Father only. The Bible says similar things about people, not, nobody knowing, and about coming as a thief in the night in Matthew 25, uh, 13, Mark 13, 32, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and Revelation 3, 3. It's all through the Bible. Nobody knows when Christ is coming back. Now, there are people that have tried to predict the second coming of Christ, and they've tried to come up with days that they believe the Lord's going to return, but the Bible makes it very clear. Nobody knows except for God. The angels don't even know, so why would we know, right? We're here on earth, they're in heaven. Nobody knows when it's going to happen. But even still, there are people that try to predict for themselves when this is going to happen, and then they make themselves out to be a false prophet. I don't know if anybody remembers this or not, but I remember back in 2012. Does anybody remember that? When the world was going to end in 2012. Uh, I remember that some ancient Maya priest predicted that the world was going to be, I don't know, explode or something in, in 2012. And I remember the specific time was 6 p.m. And I remember it because me and my brother were working together. And uh, once it got close to 6, we were like, okay, we've got to get ready, right? We've got to brace for impact. And we just kind of joked about it. And then, of course, 6 o'clock came and nothing happened, right? Here we are today. Now, here's the thing. You cannot put stock... And what man says when it goes against the word of God. Here's the thing. Either God's a liar or man is a liar. And I'm just going to go with what the Bible says. Let God be true and every man a liar. Listen, God says we don't know. Now, I thought this was interesting. There was a man named William Miller back in the 1800s. Apparently, after... Now, just, just listen to this, okay? Apparently, after 14 years of studying the Bible... He became convinced that Christ would return in 1843. Apparently, he skipped all the verses that said you, nobody knows, but this is the conclusion that he came up with. And this is just so interesting to me. He says, it says here, when Miller announced April 3rd as the day, some disciples went to mountaintops hoping for a head start to heaven. <laughs> Others were in graveyards planning to ascend in reunion with their departed loved ones. And then get this, the Philadelphia Society ladies clustered together outside of town to avoid entering God's kingdom amid the common herd. <laughs> when April 4th dawned, as usual, the Millerites were disillusioned, but they took heart because our leader predicted another date, of course. Almost a year later, they, they had March 21st, 1844. It says the devout continued to make ready, but again, they were disappointed. So then... Of course, a third date came, October 22nd, 1844, later that fall. It was set, but it also passed, and of course, here we are now in 2022. So listen, church, nobody 
knows. And Jesus, in 2 Peter, he gives us a really great illustration here when he says that the, com- the second coming, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come as a thief in the night. And, and look, I, I think it's amazing, by the way, those Millerites, I guess they call them, I think it's amazing they were so dedicated to what a man said. And we ought to be that dedicated to what God says. We ought to be dedicated to the Lord. But anyway, he says here, a thief in the night. He, he's going to come, and it's going to be sudden. It would be like you just going to bed one night, and you thought everything was safe. You, your doors were locked. Everything was fine. You had everything in order. You felt safe, and one day you woke up, and you found that your house has been robbed. Your, your televisions, your valuable items, electronics, and many other things were gone, and the thief came and went unexpectedly, and guess what? That would surprise you. And that's exactly what's going to happen when Christ returns. It will be a surprise. He's going to come as a thief in the night. It's going to be unexpected, and it's going to surprise everybody. But here's the thing. Listen, if he was to appear today, or if he was to appear tonight as a thief, where would you stand? If he returned right now, where would you stand? I want you to ask yourself this question. Would you be able to say, yes, I have been abiding in him? You know, it could be that the day of the Lord is going to come suddenly because, you know, if we we knew when he was going to come back, I think we would get careless in our daily living. I believe that, you know, God doesn't want us to be careless in our Christian life and uh, we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. There's too much at stake to live carelessly. Heavenly rewards and the souls of men are at stake, and and therefore we cannot afford to be complacent with our witness and careless with our lifestyle. And if we live each day expecting His return, it will impact your life. It will push you to abide in Him. If you know, my God could come any moment. It's going to change the way you live. And and we'll see more about that next week in regards to being ashamed. But look, have you ever been surprised by by something? A lot of people don't like surprises, whether they're good or bad. But... You know, some surprises in your life are good, but there are some surprises that are bad. And listen, church, a a bad surprise is one that may bring you heartache, it may bring you trouble, and it may bring you pain. And you know, I've gotten phone calls like that before where they just, it just rips my heart out and causes tears to come down because of a tragedy that has happened. It was a surprise, but it was a bad one. But you know, I've also been part of good surprises too. I think of a couple weeks ago, my mom was turning, she turned 50, and 50 is a big deal. It is, and I'm sorry if you're past that, but it's, and okay, 60 is a big deal, 70 is a big deal, right? But, but 50 is huge. Uh, it's the beginning of the golden years, I think, right? But, uh, but look, we, we kind of played it like we weren't going to do anything. And we just had the kids make a video saying happy birthday, texted her like we normally would if, as if we weren't going to see her. And then my dad took her to Bangor to go shopping and out to lunch. And while they were gone that afternoon, we went down to Howland in the afternoon, and we decorated the house, got everything ready. We hid the car behind the house uh, out back so that she wouldn't know that we were there. And then when she walked in the door, we yelled, surprise, and she was stunned. It was a surprise, but it was a good one. And then about three hours later, uh, we were sitting down, and we told her we're going to open cards, right? And then uh, when we were opening cards, my brother and his family walked in from South Liberty, and again... She was shocked. She was surprised, but it was a good surprise. Listen, church, when Christ appears, it's going to either be a good surprise or a bad surprise, but which one it is is up to you. It's up to you. It's going to be good or bad, but it's up to you. And look, if you're abiding in him, 
this surprise will be a joyful thing. But if you're not, when he returns, you're going to look back and wish, man, I wish I would have abided in him. I wish I would have invested my life into eternal things. And uh, let's not fool ourselves, church, by acting like uh, the way we live doesn't matter, because it does matter. There's a lot of people that, that act like, you know, it doesn't matter how we live. It doesn't matter if we live righteously. It doesn't matter if I abide in him. The Bible makes it very clear. It does matter. And look, we're going to be judged one day when we appear before God. And if we're saved and we're in Christ, thank God we're not going to be judged on our sin, but our faithfulness and service to Christ. And again, this is something we'll dig in more to this week, next week. But the verse in 2 Peter chapter 3, it really just lets us know how foolish we are if we invest only in physical things of earth. It's no wonder that we're going to be ashamed at His coming if we just live for ourselves. Everything's going to be dissolved into nothing. The material world's going to be dissolved. So therefore, what manner of person should we be in our behavior and our godliness? Listen, church, His appearing will be sudden. So what does that mean for us? Well, the Bible lets us know, and this just brings us right into the next point. It goes right along with what John says in regarding uh, just abiding in him and living righteously. Since it's going to be sudden, secondly here we see we should look for his appearing. It's going to be sudden, so we should look for his appearing. Go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Look at verse 12. His appearing will be sudden, so therefore we should look for His appearing. In Titus chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Let's stop right there. Tell me, does living holy matter? <laughs> does living righteously matter? Of course it does. Look at verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior in Jesus Christ. Man. So look, it's going to be sudden. So since it's going to be sudden, sudden, we should absolutely look for His appearing. But here's the thing, church. When it says look for His appearing, it doesn't mean to be obsessed with it. It doesn't mean to be looking into every little thing that happens in the world and be freaked out by it. And I know people like that. They watch the news for 10 minutes and suddenly they get all worried about the return of Christ. But here's the thing. If you're saved, you don't need to be worried. You shouldn't be worried about the coming of Christ. You should be excited. You should be happy. And we'll look at that in a bit. But, you know, there are some people. Uh, Paul has said this before in, in Sunday school. That some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Remember there was a little bit of debate about that phrase? Well, I think in regards to that phrase that it just tells us that there are some Christians that think so much about heaven, they think so much about the rapture that they don't give a single thought to serving Christ and sharing him with other people. They're so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly good. But listen, that phrase in Titus chapter 2, that phrase looking for, all that means is this, to expect. Expect. It's not saying we need to dig into things online and do research and look for signs that he's coming. We're not supposed to just stare up at the sky and see if he's on the way, right? We're, we're supposed to expect it. It doesn't mean literally looking. It means to expect. We know he is coming, and we should live expecting his return, knowing it could happen at any time. And again, he is coming back. We know he is, but we should live expecting that it's going to happen because, listen, it is going to happen. But again, we just don't know when. 
I read an, inter an interesting statistic that said 79% of Christians in 2010 believe that, they, that Christ will come back someday. I don't know what's going on with the other 21%. Uh, I don't know how you can say you believe the Bible and read the Bible and, and, and not think that he's coming back someday. But listen, church, 100% of believers should believe that he is coming back. But most importantly, we should also live like we believe it. If we truly believe that he is going to return, I want you to understand we will live like it as we abide in him. We should live our lives expecting that he's going to return, believing that he will come back, and that will impact our lives in regards to holy living. As 1 John 2 tells us, if we abide in him, we will look for his appearance, and then we will live in expectation of his appearing. And I'll just say this as a side note too, by the way. Listen, if you really believe that Christ is going to come back, you'll be a witness. There's an urgency to this message, okay? Look, Christ is coming back. It could be any moment. So who do you need to be a witness to? Who do you need to tell about the gospel? And look, if we abide in him, we will be looking for his appearance. And we'll be living our lives in a manner that brings out that truth of practical and progressive sanctification that we saw last week. But thirdly, if we abide in him and look for his appearing, this is going to cause us, number three, to love his appearing. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This will cause us to love his appearing. Man, I want you to think about this this morning. Do you love his appearing? Do you love the thought of his appearing? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Look, can you say that you'll get this crown of righteousness? Do you love his appearance. The, when it says love his appearing, that word love there it means to welcome with desire and to long for. Look, many believers these days, they, they, again, they've made out the second coming of Christ to be some kind of scary event. But if you're saved, it doesn't have to be scary. It should be an awesome promise. And, and to know that we're going to be with Christ forever with the promise of eternal life. It's not something to fear, but to love. It's something to desire. It's something to long for. We should long for the return of Jesus Christ. And listen, I know, I understand if you just are thinking, man, I really want somebody that I know and that I love to get saved. But even still, I'll tell you what, this world is getting old. It is. The things that's going on, you look at the news every day, there are crazy things happening in the world. There's messed up agendas. There's uh, pain and turmoil and fighting and killing. It's getting old. We should long for the appearance of Christ because of it. And when you consider what his coming means for us, I don't think that you can help but long for it. I don't think that you can help but to desire the appearance of Christ. Listen, church, the, to, when Christ appears, that means we are going to get to see Jesus Christ. It means eternal and perfect life forever, like we talked about a few weeks ago with that promise. The return of Christ, it means no more pain or crying, or heartache, no more bad news. Wouldn't that be nice? No more bad news. No more death. No more weariness. No more burdens. No more sorrows. No more hurt. It's going to be perfect. So tell me this, Christian. Listen, should you not long for it? Shouldn't you desire it? Shouldn't you love it? It should cause us, just the thought of his appearing, it should cause us to long for his coming just as you would long 
for the return of a loved one that you have. Maybe somebody that you haven't seen for a long time. They've been gone for a while, man. And you just long for them. You want to see them again. You want to hug them again. You want to tell them that you love them. Man, we should long for his coming like that. Because it's going to be so magnificent and so amazing. And I'll say this, church. Look, we do, as people in general, we do long for things, don't we? We all long for things. But a lot of times it's worldly things. We, we long to feel comfortable. We long for pleasure. We long to fulfill the lusts of our flesh. But this world is not our home if you're saved. If you've accepted Christ, your home is waiting for you and you should long for it. If you abide in Him, you will long for His appearing and you will love and you will desire it. Because guess what, church? If you're abiding in Him, you're praying, right? You're reading the Bible. You're in church. And guess what? He's going to be on your mind. And you will desire His Return because you just love him. You're going to long for his coming. But you know what? If I'm not abiding in Christ, I'm not going to long for his appearing. If I'm not abiding in Christ, I'm not going to love his appearing. I will probably be afraid of it. I'm not going to be looking forward to his appearing because the thought of it might just bring me shame. You know, the rapture is not going to be a very thrilling event for a lot of believers because of the lives that they lived here on earth. But again, that all depends on you. So with all that being said, if we abide in Him, we'll look for His appearing. We're going to love His appearing. But the question that each of us need to ask ourselves this morning is this. Am I ready for Him to appear? Listen, are you ready? Will you have confidence, like our text tells us, when He returns? Or will you be ashamed? And that brings about the final truth that we see about His appearance this morning. Lastly, His appearing should cause us to get ready. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I want you to, to listen, church. This is the most important part of the message. If you've been zoned out in the last 20 minutes or whatever I've been talking for and preaching, listen now, okay? Listen now. His appearing should cause us to get ready. And whether you're saved or lost, you need to be ready for the appearance of Christ. Look at... Matthew 24, look at verse 36. I'll just go through here verse by verse and kind of pause and, and explain some things a little bit. But look at verse 36. We already, I already quoted this, but Jesus said in verse 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So nobody knows. Verse 36, But as the days of no were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Who's no? Noah, right? Just as, uh, just as nobody really knew when uh, the flood was going to come in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Look at verse 38. For as the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. Man, doesn't that sound a lot like people today? They're just having a good time. They're just out partying. They're just out doing whatever they want. They're just fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Uh, and then, boom. Here it comes. Look at verse 39. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Again, it's going to be sudden. Look at verse 40. Then shall two be in the field, and one shall be taken and the other left. Man, just imagine that. You're out working. You have somebody with you. And then Christ comes back. They're gone. And they're like, what are they playing a joke on me? No, there's no joke. This is serious. Look at verse 41. Again, it says basically the same thing. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. 
the one shall be taken and the other left. And then verse 42, it says, well, what does it mean for us? What are we supposed to do? Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Wow, Jesus said that twice in just a few verses. I wonder what that means. It means nobody knows, right? Look at verse 43. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. And look at verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready. For in such an hour as he thinketh not, the Son of Man cometh. That's what I want you to focus on this morning, church. Verse 44. Therefore be ye also ready. Again, this is the most important part of the message. We, we know, as I've stated several times, if we abide in him, when he appears, we will not be ashamed. But when Christ appears, I believe there's, a, there's going to be three groups of people. And again, we'll look at this more in depth next week, but I think it is of utmost importance that it's brought up right now. And these three groups include, for one, those that were saved and abided in him. And I want you to know, church, I want to be in this group. I want to be in the group that is saved and I abided in him. I lived for him. I wasn't perfect, but I was always being worked on by the grace of God. And, and, and th these people in Matthew 44 here, or in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 44, it talks about being ready. Look, we should be ready. These people that are saved and abide in him, they will have confidence at his appearing, just as our text in 1 John 2 tells us. These people will not be ashamed because they lived abiding in him and they will have rewards in heaven. And if we treat the second coming of Jesus Christ how we should then guess what? We are going to have confidence when he appears. So that's the first group. And that should be, by the way, the group that you want to be in. I want to be in the group that was saved and I was abiding in Christ. But there's also going to be another group, those that were saved, but they did not abide in him. Those people will be people that were saved, yet so as by fire. They're saved, but with nothing to show for it. Their walk with God was constantly up and down, or they just didn't have a relationship with Him at all. They abided in Him, maybe here and there, but never consistently. They, they couldn't be counted on to go to church. They lived in sin frequently. Uh, they never fulfilled their purpose here on earth. They were half in and half out most of the time, and because of this, they will be ashamed at the coming of Christ because they let their life go to waste. I don't want to be in that group. But then lastly... The last group will be those that were just not saved. This group of people will make up the majority of those in the world. Maybe they thought they had time to come to God. Uh, maybe they thought that God didn't exist and therefore it didn't matter. Maybe they thought Christianity was a farce, but on that day, the truth is going to be revealed. And listen, all those that didn't turn to Christ and trust in Him only for salvation will be ashamed. And when the tribulation is over, all those that rejected Christ will be separated from God forever. So listen this morning. Ask yourself this question. Which category and which group do you fall into? If Christ were to come back right now, which one of those categories would you fall into? I'll say this. If it's one of those last two where you were, you're saved, but you didn't abide in Him, or if it's just the fact that you were not saved at all, thank God, that can change today. That can change today. If you've not been abiding in Him like you should, you can start right now. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you can do that right now. In our text, 
1 John 2.28, that word confident, it means cheerful courage. It means to have freedom of speech. And, you know, I like the question that Dan, he's actually brought this up before. You know, he says, what are you, you going to say when you stand before God? You remember, Dan, you say that a lot. What are you going to say? When you stand before God, what are you going to say? I'll tell you this. If you have not trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, you cannot say anything. But if we've trusted in Christ, if we've abided in Him, we can tell God, it's under the blood. I belong to you, thanks to Jesus Christ. You can say that. You can have freedom of speech if you have accepted Christ. So here's a question for you, church. Will you have cheerful courage when He appears, knowing that you've accepted Christ and you've abided in Him? If He was to return right now, would you have confidence that you are going with Him? Would you have confidence knowing that you abided in Him and you lived for Him? Or is it possible that you would be ashamed at His coming? Just consider this morning, what exactly is going to happen when He appears? As I said earlier, it's going to be sudden, right? Everyone will probably be doing their normal thing, their daily routine. Everything will seem normal. Everything will seem fine. They're just living their life. There, there's not going to be any sirens that's going to warn us that it's about to happen. We're not going to have a couple days notice like we do for the snowstorm, right? People are going to be living their lives. And then out of nowhere, as Revelation tells us, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and those that are saved shall be changed. Just imagine that happening. Imagine seeing somebody one moment like Matthew talks about and then them disappearing in the next. Imagine having all this, these things happen. You're like wondering what's going on. You call your loved ones. You call people and you're not hearing back from them as you notice all this, this stuff happening. Or imagine just turning on the news or the radio and you're trying to figure out what's going on and there are millions of reports of people missing. Just imagine having seeing several car crashes everywhere and there are several reports of Car crashes with nobody in the driver's seat or uh, a plane crash with pilots missing. Everybody's wondering. Everybody's confused. And, and they're wondering, what is happening? And then it hits you. Christ has returned. Man, just imagine that. And you miss his coming. I'll tell you what, that would make anybody ashamed of his coming because they were not ready. Church, you need to get ready. Are you ready? If you're not ready, I urge you, get ready. If you aren't sure... Whether or not you've accepted Christ, I challenge you, man, listen, lose your pride and accept Christ. Repent. Come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Get forgiveness from Him. Thank God for the gift of salvation. Man, you can accept Christ. The Bible tells us in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. I like that word, whosoever. <laughs> Anybody. You're here this morning. And you think, well, I'm so bad, I've done so many wrong things. Nope, whosoever will, you can be saved. And you need to realize it doesn't matter what you've done, God can forgive you. And we know that we are all sinners. And if you don't think you're a sinner, then, well, give me your secret. Let me know. How do you do that, right? The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And all means all. Everybody's sinned. And because of the fact that all have sinned, it has a price that must be paid. And our sin is costly. Uh, the, the payment for sin is spiritual death. The payment for sin is separation from God. The Bible tells us, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And that, of course, is something we've earned. Listen, we have earned spiritual death and separation from God because of our sin. 
You know every single one of us in here, we deserve to die and go to hell. But God, by his grace, it doesn't just say for all of sin comes short of the glory of God. It doesn't just say the wages of sin is death. But it also says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ died and rose again to pay for your sin. He was the perfect and sinless sacrifice for your sin. And listen, tr- listen, people, if you would like salvation, you need to pray and accept Christ to be your personal Savior. He is the only way to heaven. There's no other way through a relationship with God and a home in heaven except by Jesus Christ. Romans 10 verse 9 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So look, if you've not done that, you need to do it today. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. Look, it doesn't matter when he appears, when he comes back, your deeds, your position in the world, your church membership, your, your service, your charitable works, your donations, none of it is going to add up to anything. Again, if you're not trusting in Christ only, you won't be able to say anything when he appears. The only way you can be eternally secure is when he, when he appears is only to simply place your faith and trust in him. So listen, if you've not done that, you need to do it today. But listen, church, if you are saved, are you abiding? When he appears, will you be confident? Will you have cheerful courage knowing that you've lived for Christ? Knowing that you've served him faithfully? Knowing uh, that you've done what you can through the power of the Holy Spirit? Listen, he is worthy of our life. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of us giving our life to him. So listen, church, abide in him. Have a close relationship with him. If we abide in him when he appears, we will not be ashamed. Abide in him and love him. His appearing. We have a lot of work to do for Christ, don't we? There's a lot of work to do for Christ. And I want to encourage you in this. You know, sometimes people say, well, I, you know, I'm probably not serving like I should in the church. Look, God wants you to serve in the local church. You are part of the body of Christ. And he calls each of us to serve. And uh, this church certainly has areas of service that need to be filled. And if you're not doing something for God right now, you feel like, well, you know, I need to do something else. It could be that God wants you to fill a hole in this church. He is worthy of our service. And by the way, when you do something for the church, you're not doing it for me. You're doing it for God. Just singing up here, doing it for God. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're doing it for the Lord. And when he returns, I want to make sure that I'm serving him. I don't want to get complacent or lazy. And I'll tell you what, in America today, it sure is easy to get complacent. And it sure is easy to get lazy. But Christ is coming. We need to get to work. There's people dying going to hell. And they need Christ. So let's get after it. Let's get to work. Let's share the gospel. Let's abide in Him. Let's be led by His Holy Spirit. Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed.